You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. What's up, Trace? I uh, hope you guys are doing well. It's really good to be here with you guys today. Uh, I just want to take a moment and say welcome to all of you that are joining us for the very first time this morning. I got to see a couple new faces, which is always exciting. Uh, we would love the opportunity to meet you right after this and answer any questions that you might have about Trace. Uh, We want you to know that this is a place you can stop pretending, uh, that no one in here has their life together. And while we do take following Jesus very seriously, uh, you'll come to find that we don't take ourselves uh, too seriously here. Um, But we're glad that you're here with us today. I also just want to take a moment and say welcome to all of you that are joining us online this morning. If you haven't already, go ahead and like this page and share this message with someone else. That would help us out a lot. But we would love the opportunity to get connected with you and get you guys connected as well. And so thank you so much for joining the conversation today. Uh, My name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here. And for those of you that are wondering what happened to our senior pastor, Aaron, uh, he's not dead. Uh, He's actually doing really, really well. But every summer he goes on what we call a study leave, and he just takes some time to focus on uh, his own faith and his own family for a season and really just prepare for the next season of ministry. And so uh, you probably don't realize how much it is that he does for us as a church, but that man works really, really, really hard. And he seldom gets a break. And whether it's investing in you all individually, or I know he takes a lot of time to invest in me personally by letting me preach and giving me feedback constantly, Uh, But I'm just grateful that we as a church are able to just give him some of this time uh, for him to rest and refuel for what's coming next. I know this uh, helps all of us win. And so don't worry, he will be back. Um, I'm excited to hear his preaching again, but for now you're stuck with me. So um, I'm just kidding. But we've been in this series called The Chosen for the last several weeks now. And really the vision behind this series is very simple. It's the same uh, vision that they, the producers had when they created the show that you just saw a couple clips from, that when we read about characters in the Bible, they don't always need to seem so stoic, uh, so saint-like, so holy all the time, that by and large, most of them were normal people like you and I, that they were regular people that lived regular lives, uh, that they probably took naps, uh, they probably made fun of each other, They probably spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to answer questions that their kids asked them. Like, they were not so different from you and I, and we want to help you all see that. And so the first week we talked about Peter and the fact that he made a lot of mistakes, that if anything, he failed his way to success, but his past failures didn't determine his future. But then we talked about Paul, and while, yes, God takes the unschooled and the ordinary people to be a part of his kingdom, he also chooses the best of the best sometimes. Uh, But this week, I want to talk to you about someone very different, someone we don't know a whole lot about, actually. But I think uh, her story will have a huge impact on our lives, uh, because today I want to talk to you guys about uh, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, not Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's a different Mary. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible, Uh, but Mary Magdalene. And so to start, I just want to share this story with you. Uh, One of my main responsibilities here is that I get to hang out with the students um, most weeks, And until this year, that meant that on Sunday nights, all the students, middle schoolers or high schoolers, they would come here to Trace, and we'd hang out with them, and we'd play games, we'd share a message with them, and then we'd split them up into groups so that they could talk with each other about what they learned. And so this this specific night, I was talking to uh, our students about purpose, and I was talking specifically about the fact that if you have a pulse, then you have a purpose. 
that everyone, no matter who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you, you have been created with a very specific purpose in mind to be in the kingdom of God. And that purpose is to use the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the influence that you have to impact the kingdom of God. And so I finished this little message with them, and there was a student that was waiting to come up and talk to me afterwards. And now generally, this is a good thing. Uh, This means that I didn't put them to sleep or that they weren't on their phones the entire time that I was talking. But as she approached, I started to realize that she seemed a little bit upset. And so I started to think through what I'd said. You know, did I make a joke that offended her? Did I call her the wrong name? Did I forget her birthday? Something like that. But I couldn't think of what it was. And so I braced myself and I asked her, you know, what's wrong? She thought for a moment and then she said, Josiah, you're full of it. You know, that message you just preached on purpose, why are you talking about purpose like that? And then she said, have fun with all the boys, because those seem to be the only people God wants to use anyway. And after she said that, I sat there dumbstruck and dumbfounded for a moment, and then I finally caught up to her, and I asked her what was really going on. And she told me that she was dealing with a lot personally and dealing with a lot at home and at school. Then she called me out, and she said, look, I come here week after week, And week after week, all you do is you talk about the men of the Bible. Moses, David, Jesus, the disciples, all of these people were men. And from her perspective, God didn't seem to want to use women at all. And so she started talking about this. And then when I started talking about purpose, she thought in her mind that I was intentionally trying to exclude her. And I tell you this story for two reasons. One, because she was right. Because out of the 10 months or so that I had been here, I hadn't taken the time to talk about a single woman in the Bible. The second reason I tell you this story is this. That maybe you can relate. Maybe you can relate to what she was thinking. You grew up in a family or a church that didn't place a high priority or a value on women. That for you, you grew up thinking that God had this master plan and you just simply were not a part of it. That for you, you associated following Jesus with misogyny and degrading women. And guys, if that's you, I'm sorry. Because that's not the Jesus that I know. That's not the story that I read about in Scripture. If anything, I would say the opposite is true. That if it weren't for Jesus, the value and dignity that women have today would not be what it is. And I know it's not perfect, but I do know it's better because of what Jesus has done. And we're going to see that today in the life of Mary Magdalene. And so whether you're a woman or a man in this room today, I think there's a lot that we can learn from her story. And so let's take a look at one of the most interesting women in the New Testament, and let's see what her story has to offer. So while we don't know a whole lot about Mary Magdalene, there sure are a lot of conspiracy theories out there about her. And I probably spent way too much time on this this week, but this was incredibly interesting to me. Uh, That for some people, they believe that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, Uh, specifically that she was the penitent woman that cleaned Jesus' feet with her hair, And this was popularized due to a sermon in the early 500s by a guy named Pope Gregory. Um, But actually, the Catholic Church has gone back and said, actually, that's not true. Uh, We don't find a shred of evidence for that anywhere, which is a big deal for them to do that. But this was a common belief for a long time. Uh, Some people have taken it a step further and said, no, Mary Magdalene was actually Jesus' girlfriend. That even though girlfriends didn't exist back then, uh, that title was not a thing. Uh, that casual dating was not around back then. This is still a common belief. But one of the most interesting is the people that took it even a step further and said, no, Mary Magdalene is actually Jesus' wife. And beyond that, that uh, she mothered uh, Jesus' children, uh, meaning that today there are people 
Uh, there are children walking around that are from the direct bloodline of God. And uh, the theories go on and on and on. And although these are complete speculation and have not a shred of evidence with them, there, there still are some things we do know about Mary Magdalene. Uh, for one, her name, Mary Magdalene, Magdala, uh, refers to a town, uh, a small fishing community on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Actually, when I was in college, I had the chance to kind of see it from afar. And so here's a picture of that. Um, this little blob right here next to my knee, that was Magdala. Um, and I got to stand up on Mount Arbol and see it from there. Here's another picture, probably a better picture of that city. But it was a small fishing community. Uh, Magdala, the name actually means salted fish. And so Mary the salted fish, very unfortunate name. Um, we only see her name, though. We only see it appear about 12 times in Scripture. That she only finds reference about 12 times in Scripture. Yet if you look at her life from a cultural perspective, uh, Mary Magdalene is one of those people that really just has everything working against her. That her life is one that is filled of a lot of different obstacles. And today I'd actually just like to share three of those obstacles with you that kind of got in the way of her purpose. That there were three obstacles in her life that really postponed her purpose for Mary and the first one is this, uh, her past, her past. That one of the first times we're introduced to Mary is in Luke uh, chapter 8. And Jesus, he's already started his ministry and he started traveling around. But this is what it says right here. It says, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Mary Magdalene, uh, from whom seven demons had come out. And so from this, we learn that not only was Mary Magdalene possessed by one demon, but by seven. And in the first century world, demon possession still would have been somewhat rare. Uh, one of the things we often forget when we read Scripture is the amount of distance and time that passes between each story we read. And so while in the gospel there's, several, gospels, there's several accounts of demon possession, for the average citizen, the average person, Demon possession still would have been rare for them or even someone they knew. And so for Mary Magdalene to be possessed by seven demons would have been <laughs> extremely rare. And for people that were tagged as demon-possessed, they were often considered outcasts. Uh, they were labeled as beyond repair and banished to live up in the hills and caves uh, surrounding the different societies. And this would have been true for Mary. That Mary would have been labeled uh, as a danger to society. And she would have been left alone out of fear. And she wouldn't have gotten to hang out with an abundance of people. She wouldn't have been invited to parties. Uh, parents would have grabbed their kids and crossed to the other side of the street when they saw her. Things like self-doubt and loneliness, those would have been things on her mind constantly. And this label was not something that was just there for a little while and then went away. This label would have stuck around for years to come. That the stigma of being demon-possessed would have uh, you know, been around her life for, for a long time. Her past very well would have defined her future. But more than that, the common belief at the time was that she did something to deserve this. That there was something so shameful about her, so shameful in her past that she kept a secret or that she did something so terrible as if she deserved what she was getting. And listen, no one, no one would have given her a second chance. And no one would have blamed anyone for neglecting her. You see, her past was an obstacle to her purpose. But not only her past, so was her perception, or really others' perception of her. You see, we all know what it feels like to go to a place and feel like we don't belong, right? 
we all know what it feels like to walk into a crowd, to walk into an event and realize very, very quickly uh, that we don't fit in here and we probably never will. Uh, for some of us, this is like our whole entire high school career. Uh, for others of us, uh, this is the feeling you get when you walk into a place like this, like a church. Uh, for me personally, it's whenever I go to fancy restaurants. Uh, that Listen, uh, I grew up in a good family. Like we, we ate well, never missed a meal or anything like that. But for my family, it was more about quantity than it was about quality. Uh, that yes, we had standards, but like if it got a 6 out of 10 on the scale and there was a lot of it, like we were down to eat it. And so some of my favorite restaurants growing up were like CeCe's Pizza and McDonald's because you could eat a lot for very little. Um, but over the past year or so, I decided to take my wife uh, to a very nice steakhouse for our anniversary, something I've never done before. It was easily one of the nicest restaurants I've ever been to. Um, and the food was great. The service was even better. But every moment I was sitting there, I could not help but think, I don't belong here. Like, I do not belong here. That everyone around us was dressed nicer than we were. And for them, this just seemed like a regular Tuesday night. Um, but for me, I felt like we didn't fit in. And I felt like our waitress knew it. I felt like everyone else around us knew that as well. And I told Jessica afterwards, my wife, I said, you know, I'm glad we did that, but I'll probably never do that again. Because what I thought other people's perception of me was it got in the way of doing what we came there to do, uh, which was celebrate each other and enjoy each other's company. We all know what it feels like not to belong somewhere. And for Mary, this would have been the same feeling that she felt most of her life. You see, the way that Mary is referenced by Mary Magdalene, we know a couple things about her, at least two things about her. The first thing is her name, Mary Magdalene. Uh, in the first century, women were often referred to by their first name, uh, followed by their closest male relationship. So whether that was a brother, a husband, a father, whatever it was, that's generally how they're referenced. So you have Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Mary, the wife of Joseph, same person, but we're talking about Mary Magdalene. And as we've already said, Magdalene was not a man. Uh, it was a town. And so for Mary, this would have been something that would have been considered shameful at the time. And we can assume that she had no man in her life at the time. And for a single woman in the first century, this was considered to be very shameful. That the public perception of this was not a good one. Along with that, we know that she came from the town of Magdala. And like I said, Magdala was a small fishing community. And from an outside perspective, this was a good place to come from. A prominent little fishing community. It was a good place to come from. But the Jewish perception of that town wasn't so great. See, it's believed that Mary Magdalene was Jewish, but she was raised around a lot of Gentiles, meaning that she probably didn't have a good grasp on all the Jewish laws or all the Jewish traditions at the time uh, like some of the other women did. This, too, would have brought even more shame upon her. And we can guess, and it'd be a pretty good educated guess, that in many ways, in many different circumstances, Mary felt like she didn't belong, that she felt like she did not fit in. And this was not just a one-time thing, but this would have followed her around to most of her life. And so not only was her past an obstacle to her purpose, but so was public perception of her life. Not just her past, not just public perception, but finally the last obstacle is her position. Her position. And her position refers to her standing in society. And I'm not just talking about her being a woman among other women. I'm talking her, about her being a woman among a male-dominated society. Now listen, one thing you have to understand is women were not looked at with prominence at all in the first century. They were generally illiterate. They weren't allowed to learn scripture. They were highly uneducated. 
They were called to live quiet, unambitious lives in private. And it was shameful to see a woman walking around in the marketplace doing business-related things. As a woman, their uh, testimony in court was considered worthless. Listen, women were not given the same rights as men. Instead, they were called to submit in every facet of the word to their husbands. Like This is one of the worst parts about that society, but one of the common prayers then was this, especially for men. Thank God I'm not a Gentile. Thank God I'm not a slave. Thank God I'm not a woman. Now listen, for Mary Magdalene, everything was working against her. Everything was working against her. Her past, others' perception of her, and even her position. They were all obstacles getting in the way of her purpose. And maybe for some of you this morning, you can relate to something in there. That maybe for some of you, you've experienced what it feels like to have your past, your perception, or your position get in the way of your purpose. Maybe for you, it is your past. Maybe there are some things that you've done or maybe something you've done or that has been done to you. There are some key moments in your life that you've allowed to define your future. You know, maybe it's a lie that you told that turned into a much bigger one that you've lied so much at this point that you don't know what is true anymore. Or maybe for you, it's an addiction that the first time you tried it, it seemed so harmless. It seemed like not a big deal, like genuinely you were just curious. Then before you know it, it's the one thing in your life that no matter how hard you try, you can't get rid of it. Or maybe for you, it's a relationship with that guy or that girl that you knew was going to be toxic, but you pursued it anyway. And you trusted that guy or that girl, and they hurt you. And they left scars in your life that are impossible to wish away and impossible to heal from. Listen, maybe your past has become an obstacle to your purpose. Maybe for you, it is your perception or really other people's perception of you, that you do not feel like you belong anywhere. Maybe you come to a place like this and you think, you know, these people could never really accept me. They don't know what I've done. That you don't understand what it is like to pray, or you don't understand what it is like to follow Jesus. And so for that reason, you feel like you don't belong. And all the church wants to do is just make you feel more inadequate. And you listen to guys like me that stand up here and all they seem to want to do is to continually remind you that you don't belong here and that you probably never will. Maybe for you, others' perception of you is getting in the way of your purpose. Or maybe for you, it is your position. That through no fault of your own, you were placed at a disadvantage. Whether it was simply being born into a family that wasn't resourced with a lot of finances Maybe you did miss some meals growing up. Maybe your family didn't stay together your whole life. Or maybe it was the neighborhood you lived in. Maybe it was the school that you went to or the color of your skin. Whatever it is, your position in life has gotten in the way of your purpose. Maybe you too can relate to Mary. However, what I love about Mary Magdalene is this. This isn't where her story ended. This isn't where Jesus left her in life. Now, we learn something very important about God from Mary's story, and it's this right here, that even when everything else is working against you, guys, you have a God that is for you. Let me say that again. Even when everything else is working against you, you have a God that is for you. And listen, when Mary met Jesus, her life changed drastically. That all the things that were once barriers when it came to her purpose, they were removed. That Jesus looked at her past and the past of Mary and didn't count it against her. 
that when everyone had, else had moved on, when no one would give her a chance, it was Jesus. It was Jesus that gave her a second chance. It was Jesus that removed the demons from her present so they wouldn't blind her to her future. It was Jesus that removed the obstacle of her past so that she could pursue her purpose. But not only her past, also other people's perceptions of her. This may be something you've never thought about before, but like Jesus didn't have a job. And uh, he also stole all the disciples away from their primary sources of income. And so while, yes, Jesus could multiply food and like take care of his friends and things, like where did the money come from, okay? Like who funded Jesus' ministry? It wasn't the rich. It wasn't the powerful. There was no church back then. There were no fundraising events. No, if you look back at the Gospels, it was the women. Specifically, it was women like Mary. I want to read this verse again to you, but I want to add the next verse that follows. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out of. Jonah, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Listen, even though everyone's perception of Mary was extremely low, extremely low, it did not stop Mary from serving Jesus and choosing to follow him. Now, don't miss this. Mary used what she had to help where she could. She used what she had to help where she could. She wasn't just a consumer of the kingdom of God. She was one of the main contributors that Jesus helped restore dignity and value to the life of Mary, even when it came to other people's perceptions of her. But finally, Jesus also helped her overcome the obstacle of her position. That even though she was a woman, even though she was likely uneducated and considered worthless in court, when it came time for Jesus to be arrested and killed, when Jesus took his cross to the top of the hill, when he was nailed to it and in more pain than probably you or I could probably handle, when he cried his last, and he died the death that you and I deserve, it was not the disciples by his side. It was not the preachers, the pastors. It wasn't the church people that went there to grieve for him. No, it was Mary of Magdala. It says this in John. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sisters, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when all the other disciples had abandoned Jesus, all of them were hiding for their lives. When all of them went into hiding and dare not show their face, when some of them even denied Jesus, it was Mary that stayed by his side. And then even days later, when everyone else that followed Jesus dare not show their faces, it was Mary that went to the tomb to prepare his body for burial. But what happened next, no one could have expected. It says this, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener there, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. 
She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And don't miss this part. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said and that he had said these things to her. Don't miss this. That even though Jesus prepared 12 men for three and a half years to go preach his gospel to the world, it was this lowly woman, this Mary of Magdala, who had everything working against her, that was the very first person to preach it to them. That Jesus removed the shame of her past. He ignored the perception others had of her and restored dignity to her position as a woman. All of that so that she could step into her purpose. That when everything was working against her, guys, she had a God that was for her. And so do we. So what about you? What's holding you back? What is postponing your purpose this morning? Is it your past? Is it others' perception of you? Is it your position? Whatever it is, I need you to know this. That what Jesus did for Mary, he wants to do it for you as well. He wants to take the things that are standing in the way of you and him, and he wants to remove those obstacles. And it doesn't mean things will always be easy, but I promise you they will be worth it. And as I said to my students some, you know, 10 months ago, I'm going to say it to you today. That if you have a pulse, guys, you have a purpose. That God has designed you with things in your life that he wants you to use. Whether it's your gifts, your abilities, your talents, the influence that he has given to you, do not waste those things. Instead, he wants you to convert those into kingdom impact, to make a difference for years to come. Because while everything may be working against you, guys, I need you to know from the life of Mary, we learn that you have a God that is for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for the life of Mary Magdalene and just the example that she is to us. That God, we are not too far gone. That whether it's the things we've done or the things that have been done to us, God, you are not done with us yet. And so God, for the person in here that needs to hear that they still have a purpose in this world, I pray you speak so loudly to them that they cannot ignore you. God, I pray that we would take this to heart and we wouldn't just sit on this, but God, that we would use what you've given us to step into the purpose that you've designed for us. God, help us not to ignore the calling you've placed on our lives. We love you and we're grateful for Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and transition into a time of response today. And very simply, uh, we as a church, we don't just want to come here and listen to somebody talk. Uh, We want to lead different than we came. And this is an opportunity for us to respond as people to anything that God is calling to us, us to do. And so there may be a couple of different ways that you need to respond this morning. Uh, Maybe for you, you don't know Jesus. And you hear this story about a God that is for you and you think it's too good to be true. And maybe for you today, you can just sit in your chair and you can have an honest conversation with God about maybe some of the obstacles that you're facing when it comes to the purpose he's called you to. Or maybe for you, you do know Jesus. And each week as a church, we take the time to remember exactly what it is that Jesus did on the cross for us. That we know we've made mistakes. We know we have a past. We know there's a perception of on our lives. We know our position places us at a disadvantage, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. 
But Jesus, he took all of that and he said, you know what, you're worth it. And so he went to a cross and he died for each and every one of us. And he took the death that you deserved and he took the death that I deserve also that someday we might be with him again. And every week as a church, we take the time to remember this. And so all around the room at these four tables uh, with the crosses next to them, there's uh, some juice and a cracker. Very very simply, that's just a reminder of exactly what it is Jesus did for us. And so maybe for you during this time, you go and you remember what he did. Or maybe for you, you've got some things in your life that are just too big for you to handle on your own. That you've been dealing with a lot of obstacles in your life and you're tired of carrying them by yourself. Guys, we as a church, we would love to partner with you in that. We would love to pray for and with you. And so if that's you, I would ask you, download our app and submit a prayer request. We would love the opportunity as a team to pray for and with you guys. Or maybe for you, you've come here uh, prepared to give this morning. That we as a church, we always want to be growing in generosity because God has gifted us with a lot. And so if you've come prepared to give, there's buckets at the four tables around the room and you can go ahead and do that there. Once again, if you're a guest with us today, no obligation to give. Uh, We're so excited that you're here with us. But however you need to respond this morning, we just ask that you do. That you just take one step. We're not asking you to take 10, just one. So however you need to do that, I'm gonna pray and then you can go ahead and do that this morning. God, once again, we're grateful for this time. And God, we do want to leave different than we came. And God, we know there's a step that we can take no matter who we are, and it may look different for each and every one of us, but God, I pray you just give us extreme clarity about what that is. That we know without a shadow of a doubt what we are supposed to do next. God, I pray you would give the people courage to take that step, whatever it is. If there's people in here that do not know you, God, If they don't know who you are, they haven't given their lives over to you yet, God, I pray that you would just give them the courage to make that that decision today. God, I'd love to have that conversation with them. God, however we need to respond this morning, I pray you give us the courage to do so. So grateful for Jesus, so grateful for his sacrifice on the cross for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.